This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. So two-a-days are a thing of the past in training camp, but every so often here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket's great seats, we have two-a-week show on Tuesday and now here on Thursday, a special edition live from State Farm Stadium and Arizona Cardinals training camp powered by Cox as we are now a full week into training camp. And I know, Drew, you had a chance to see some of yesterday's practice and dare I say low tempo day for the bird gang that have been attending these open practices here on Thursday I have been told that the pads will be on so a high tempo day which is what Jonathan Gannon has done high low high low all for the benefits of the player and I'm guessing you would love to be in training camp in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, training camp requires different things. And I think that for a position like myself, you always thought about the mental fatigue. You thought about your feet getting tired because we talk about throwing with your feet. And your arm was secondary. It did get tired. You had to get it in shape because you were throwing close 90, 100 balls a day. And you wanted that undulation, that up and down. But I think the thing that would I'd have some reservation with is this slower tempo day is you're trying to get on the same page with these wide receivers right with these younger guys with these tight ends and timing is everything in this league if you've ever heard me talk about playing the quarterback position a timing passing game can beat any defense and so that's where I would have some hesitation of saying hey the up and down is great you're trying to save guys legs you're trying to put them in a position because come next week at this time they're going to be preparing for a football game and your resume that you put on film all of the other teams are watching on top of being evaluated so the evaluation process probably can't be as great when you're going these lower tempo days like we saw yesterday uh, they still did individual full speed and you get a good chance for seeing guys and, and you're trying to evaluate them because this is a whole new roster and everybody's being constantly evaluated it, it would just be specifically from a quarterback role it's hard because some of these guys bottom line of the roster that you're trying to gain a rapport with you've got to be able to sit there and say okay this guy runs around like this this is what he's doing mentally yes it's a little bit easier when you're just going through the jog through because the stress isn't on you of saying hey We've got to be on the same page. This safety drops down here. This linebacker blitzes. I make this protection call. All of that stuff has to work because the operation of a quarterback is as important as anything else. One week from tomorrow, Paul, the two of you on the radio call for the first preseason game, Cardinals hosting the Denver Broncos. And, yeah, it doesn't seem like we're that far away from when things get real when you say, hey, you got the red and white practice this Saturday and then a week from Friday – Hey, games are now starting. So, Drew, I'm curious. Back in the day when training camp was much more of a grind, the linemen resented the quarterbacks more or the specialists more just because you guys – that's the, not fair. That's the, that, that's disrespectful. All right? I, I saw Aaron Brewer yesterday at practice, and he had flats on. He was living his best life of just hanging out. 
Okay, so and conversely, Jeff Driscoll with a no contact jersey was actually lined up in a four point stance playing tight end. <laughs> so that was giving quarterbacks a little cred right there. Yeah, you know what? You, you do what you can. You've got to be you know add value wherever you're able to do that. Aaron Brewer, who I absolutely love, that was here. Long snappers are so important, and you don't ever want to hear from them or know anything about them. And I was asking him some questions. He's like, I don't know, man. I just throw the ball through my legs. You know, no, no. And you just keep surviving. So quarterbacks have a different stress. Offensive linemen better not say that. Defensive linemen, I wouldn't expect anything else. I love it. Just throw the ball through your legs and then run downfield, as we saw for so many years with Mike Leach. Everyone wants to grow up and be Aaron Brewer. Right, he just he walks around with the Tommy Bahama shirts on, the flip flops. Um, it's his twelfth, thirteenth year in the league. He said when Jeff Rogers found him out of San Diego State, he didn't even have an agent. He showed up as an undrafted camp invite, and he said his goal was just to meet Peyton Manning in Denver. He said that was my only objective. Maybe I can meet Peyton Manning. So there's no way I'm going to forge an NFL career. And here he is a dozen years later. Exactly, and that's what you put your head down and you just grind and you work on what you have to do and you stay in your lane. And then all of a sudden you look up and you've been able to accomplished going into 13 years so uh, Aaron Brewer has been a testament to a, a guy that just handles his business does everything that he needs to do and you can make a very nice living doing so Cardinals have counted on Aaron Brewer for a while they'll count on him once again this season but as we look at certain position groups here Paulie that we're trying to figure out who the Cardinals can count on we had a chance to hear from defensive coordinator Nick Rollis earlier in the week and cornerback is one of those positions that is kind of in flux there's a lot of people in that room Marco Wilson right now leading the charge but not quite ready to set the stage as far as who those top four five six corners might be in it is. It's wide open. What exactly are you going to do? Keytrell Clark has been running first team. You've seen Christian Matthew. He's having some battles with Michael Wilson. Who's not battling Michael Wilson, by the way? We'll get into that a little bit later. Antonio Hamilton, who at this time a year ago really was working towards a starting spot. So, okay, where exactly is this going? You need at least three corners. Some would argue four. Um, but if it, look, this position group, like I think every other position group, here's the biggest difference from a year ago and maybe the last couple of years. If it comes down to an even battle between a vet and a younger guy, in the last couple of years, the vet would win out. Not now. I think the younger guy grabs that spot. This is as much about the future as it is about the immediate. And so with that in mind, you know, it's the Paris Johnson Jr. at right tackle. It's what are they going to do at center? Defensive line. If you're a veteran on a one-year deal at the end of your career, Guess what? You better be a lot better than an up-and-coming young guy on a cheap contract. Still young, but a veteran in that Cardinals cornerback room because he's the longest-tenured cornerback in that room. That is Marco Wilson, about to enter his third season. Last year, led the team in both interceptions and passes defense. Here is the Cardinals D.C. on perhaps his number one cornerback. You know, I've talked to Marco specifically and told him, like, you have all the ability to be a number one corner in this league, and that's what I expect, but... You know, I'm going to hold you accountable and try to get you better every day. Coach Smitty's going to do the same thing. JG's going to do the same thing. You know, JG's background is, is coaching those DBs, and he's responded great to it. It's a little bit different for Marco as well because a couple of years ago, Drew, he was the guy that was the up-and-comer and put himself in that starting lineup, and now all of a sudden all eyes are on him to be that guy. And maybe there's a little bit of a different mindset and a direction, and they're trying to force him and push him in that way as far as, okay, look, Guys are starting to look at you because you're the best that we have in the room. Exactly. When you're the longest tendered guy, it doesn't matter what, what position. Eventually, you've got to grow into that leadership role. 
And you look at, I remember when he was drafted, they traded up to get him. It was a big to-do. And you hear Nick Rawls talk about ability. Ability is one thing. Being able to go out and do it is another thing. A mindset, a want to, a desire, knowing your responsibility. And that's where we saw a little bit of that last year of saying, okay, is he going to step up into this role? And that's where we saw Antonio Hamilton really take charge and take onus on that other cornerback spot. Um, and it allowed them the opportunity to say, okay, well, we've got to put his hand to the fire a little bit. That shouldn't be the case this year. As Paul outlined, they are looking to replace you. And even though you are the quote-unquote number one corner right now, everybody is replaceable on a roster like this at this point in time when the regime has changed in the direction they're going. And you can also look at when everybody else becomes available and cornerbacks are going to be on the street and other guys are going to be expendable or trades are going to happen. All of this stuff, there's constant communication going on. There's a pecking order each and every day where they have these personnel meetings and talk about where guys are at, and they move up and down and all around. You've got to be able to go put your best foot forward, and they want to see that out of Marco Wilson because they tried to motivate him last year, and it didn't take until it was almost too late for him that he got an opportunity again to go back out there. So this is a guy that needs to step up and step up in a big way there are 11 guys in that room marco wilson christian matthew both returning you've got a, you had a lot of young guys in there keytrell clark seeing a lot of action with that first team uh defense as well more from rollis on the overall where he sees that cornerback room it's a young group with talent with with a high ceiling and i like the way they show up and work in meetings you know there's a lot of detail to that position that technique those guys are technicians out there and you have to be obsessed with that spot and your craft. How close are you deciding on who's going to be the two? Not close. It's good competition right now. We got a lot of camp to go, and I got to see who's who's going to merge to, to play certain roles. We've seen so far, Paul, who right now is running with the ones and the twos, but there's no need to make any announcements right now. But we do have a pecking order, especially for those that have come out to State Farm Stadium to see, all right, you've got Marco Wilson, you've got Christian Matthew, you've got Keytrail Clark, Antonio Hamilton. To me, those are the first four. Now is there some room for some shuffling in those first four or for someone like maybe a Garrett Williams, who we haven't seen because he's injured and recovering from an ACL injury, that can come in and make that competition even bigger. And remember, the next big infusion of talent will be after final cuts in those waiver claims. This is one room that I think is going to target someone from the outside if they're available, if it's an upgrade. Because, look, you can look at the D-line room as another land of opportunity, but that can be masked with scheme a lot of times, right? You can stack the box and so forth. Okay, but these corners, right from the get-go, you got Terry McCorrin, and then you have Dallas, and, you know, I mean, you got some teams right off the top that are going to have some premier wide receivers, and it can be a lonely position when you're out in space, and you're going, doesn't matter how much zone you want to play, you're going to end up being matched up, and they're going to target certain liabilities. It's a game of matchups, as Drew knows, and so if there is one area that I start with that could be a the biggest question mark right now that if I'm JG and I'm Nick Rawls and I want an answer to, it has to be this cornerback room. And there's nothing like a preseason game coming up or even a padded practice in a red and white on Saturday to start getting some answers. Well, don't forget, what is JG's background? It's in the secondary. It's that position. So, yeah, you already, you're the head coach. You're looking at everything, but your eyes may be drifting a little bit more to the defense and, I, and more a little bit to 
that specific cornerback room. And you might, if you're those young players, want to keep an eye or an ear open to hear from the head coach. And look, you'll see him 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, okay, on the offensive side of the ball, and he's got an eye on those DBs, and he'll run up after a snap, and he'll start schooling and tutoring some of the cornerbacks. He took Buda Baker aside the other day after Greg Dortch got him in space. Now, that's a tough deal for a DB because Greg Dortch has, basically has the whole field to operate. But still, Jonathan Gannon grabbed Buda Baker and gave him a little how-to on a few coverage tips because that's his background. I believe Buda even got a hand in the face mask of Greg Dortch on that play, and that's something that you, know, you just can't happen. But, hey, this is – we talk about it, Drew. Now is the time where you make those mistakes and you don't repeat them and you learn from them to get to the regular season. Exactly, and you want to see, especially with the competition in that room, what you can get out of these younger guys. Again, as the, we change over regimes and the draft process ensued, you look at a guy like Keytrail Clark, and you are excited about what he brings to the table with the size. And then as a coach, right, those those coaches, especially with their specialty of where you're adding guys, will handpick these later-round draft picks. I, I think about the other side of the ball and why Bruce Arians was so good at drafting wide receivers. He would always get a guy later in the draft and say, okay, there might be a question mark here or there, but he's going to fit what we do in our scheme. Think of J.J. Nelson, speed down the field. Think of John Brown. All of a sudden, he becomes a premier wide receiver for so guys that you can get later in the draft when you know what you're looking for it matters so that's a guy that i'm excited to see get out there and have real snaps because within what you're trying to instill over time you need guys that buy in and you can coach them up coaching is a huge differentiating feature in this league that doesn't get enough highlight when it's your specialty and that's exactly what we're looking for in that secondary because it's been a while since we've said hey this secondary is something we feel really good about and honestly we've seen so much of the three safety groups right Isaiah Simmons, Jalen Thompson, and Buda Baker. And, and part of that is because you're trying to get your best 11 out there. But the other part of it might be that your best slot corner could be one of those safeties, honestly, at this point. We've seen Jalen Thompson here in practice up closer to the line of scrimmage with Isaiah playing well off the line of scrimmage and then Buda Baker doing what Buda Baker does. But you're right, because that now all of a sudden becomes part of that defensive scheme. Isaiah Simmons had his biggest percentage of snaps at slot corner a year ago, correct? Correct. So it could be any of those guys. We know Buddha's ability to cover inside and, and get through traffic and keep up with some of those quicker interior receivers. So, you know, right now you could have two outside corners and because you don't have a lot of depth. I think that safety trio can handle. One of those guys can automatically fall into a slot corner role. Go five DBs with perhaps, <clears throat> excuse me, three safeties in the back end of that defense. Hey, Cardinal fans, episode five of Cardinals Flight Plan, available right now on the Cardinals YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at Kyler Murray's knee rehab and much, much more. Again, that's youtube.com slash azcardinals. Stay tuned. David Blau joins the show next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Put Blau under center again, second and go on the four. Offset eye backfield, play fake, bootleg to the right, throw to the right, caught by McBride. Then he stumbles and falls down, but he's into the end zone anyway for the touchdown. Now they run it to Cooper. He's going to throw it back to Blau at his 10-yard line. Blau looking deep, airing it out, near sideline, jump ball, caught by A.J. Green at the 35. Turns left to the 30. He's inside the 20, inside the 10, and Green is into the end zone for a touchdown. 
You gotta be kidding me, David. I want to prove to myself. I want to prove to everybody that when they turn on the tape that they can trust me with the ball in their hands, whatever uh, that may look like my role in 2023. And the Cardinals did just that and trusted David Blau to bring him back. We say welcome back to the Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Andrew Stanton. We pushed aside Paul Calvisi for this segment because we have that man who threw the touchdown pass to Trey McBride and A.J. Green a year ago. Cardinals quarterback David Blau joining us. Appreciate it very much, sir. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Before we get into you two and the relationship, just give me a big picture. Training camp so far, one week in. Yeah, it's been great. I think uh, Coach Gannon's done a great job trying to get this thing going. And, you know, the guys have rallied to everything that he has, you know, tried to lay out in front of us and what these five weeks here in training camp and what the season's going to look like. And uh, people are buying in. You know, I think the reports are that, you know, there's accountability and there's a, a lot of things going on and, and everybody's you know, trying to do everything they possibly can to, to help get this organization, um, you know, on track. So uh, we're excited about what's going on and, and what Coach Gannon has for us. Now, it is my understanding that you wanted to be a part of this because of my co-host here, Drew Stanton. So why don't you tell everyone the relationship? Because I kind of look back and from what I can tell, it's a three-month relationship in Cleveland and then Drew had you traded to Detroit. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, actually. <laughs> we, uh, so, yeah, my, you know, my relationship with Drew started, I think, I think he missed. So I was an undrafted rookie in 2019 to the Cleveland Browns and I think Drew maybe missed a week or two of, of the off-season program. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> this is great. This is a, phase one is not off-season, all right? That's just when you're getting back together, all right? When you've been playing and stuff, and you already know the offense, you don't have to show up to phase one. So, yes, proceed with your story. So, I'm sitting uh, in the quarterback room. I think the meeting starts probably 9 a.m., and it's about 9.03, and this this sliding glass door in Cleveland comes just slammed open and Drew Stanton who I had never met at the time comes running in and he goes what are you doing sitting in a chair and and Drew as the awesome vet that I grew to love um from that day on kind of laid out some some bylaws that I needed to live by as a as a rookie in the NFL and and how to uh yeah how to go about my business and in all seriousness, learned a ton and grew to love Drew and, and my time in the Cleveland quarterback room before he had me treated to Detroit. Yeah, it's, you talk about accountability. One, you don't show up to off-season workouts. And then second of all, you're three minutes yeah, late to a 9 a.m. meeting. All, it's amazing how we think of things and <laughs> how we remember things and the perspective by which things actually transpired. First of all, I was not late for any meeting. And if he's in the quarterback room at 9.03, we were probably already lifting her on the field or something like that. So, again, far-fetched. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. That's fine. I did have a lot of different rules for him. He was not special because everybody had those same rules. (laughs) Baker had the same rules. He just took every single rule or the bylaws, as he said, had them in place and did a great job with him. So, naturally, I kept giving him more responsibility. (laughs) And he was great. We had a home-cooked meal on the bus that we had the rv he washed the rv on his off day literally washed the. i mean i made the joke of like hey that thing better be sparkling when we get back and he did so even my son i was like hey uh we got done with training camp one time when i was like hey david 
my son's really hot. Uh, there's snow cones over there. And I was joking. He went and got it. That's the type of guy David Blau is. And, yes, I grew to love him as well. Uh, though we were only together for three months, it was every day for three months. And so just to see the way that he works, the way that he went about his business, and a guy that was looking for an opportunity made the most of it. And, and just, again, I, I stay in contact with him. So to be able to see him do this and prolong his career, you just keep scratching and fighting. And for the vast majority of us, 90% of us, we're just trying to stay alive year in and year out. And Dave That's has done right. a tremendous job. And I guess my first question for you is, what have you learned from when you left <laughs> at all of the torture I put you through up to this point now? Because you've had a couple of different changes of scenery, but what's the biggest thing that you've learned about the business that you find yourself in? Man, that's a great question. Um, I've got a couple questions for you, too. But, <laughs> oh, no, no, we're running out of time. This okay. segment's about um, done. So when I went from Cleveland to Detroit, I got to be in a room with a guy who you got to be in a room with and Matthew Stafford. And uh, to see how he carried himself every day, um, getting ready for games and handling his back injury and, and a bunch of different things that he was going through there in Detroit and, and witnessing really what it was like to see in a, like the elite of the elite play the position uh, was really special for me in, in the preparation aspect. When I was with y'all in Cleveland, it wasn't, you know, it was preparing for our defense and practice. But when you go and you prepare for the games and you see what it takes to have success on Sundays was, was really special in seeing that in Matthew. And then uh, having Jared traded there. So, you know, this is my fifth team or fourth team in five years the fourth number one pick that I've gotten to back up at quarterback from from Baker to Matthew to Jared to Kyler and this is, you know you see different things in all these different guys and you can take tools that that have made them special and elite players uh, all throughout the course of their career and, and you try to add them to your game so um, I you know I, I'm really thankful for that that part of my journey. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of this position, right? And that's what I always try to take away is you can learn so much every single day just by watching a guy, observing some of these elite-level talent guys because everybody goes about this position a little bit differently, right? right? And you take everything and you grab bag it and you put it all together and you learn. And I think it's also really important to learn how to be a backup. And being able to be around somebody like Colt McCoy also has to have his advantages. What have you seen from him? What has it been like to be around him? Yeah, man. Um Colt has been phenomenal. He's like the true pro in the room. You see exactly uh, why he's he's lasted for so long in, in the league. He can play the position, but man, he's a coach in the room. He, he helps get guys in the right position. He, he expresses how uh, he sees that routes are supposed to be run or protections are supposed to be coached. And, you know, when he goes out there, he understands where the ball has to go and how to be on time and he puts the Cardinals in the right position whenever he's on the field. And you've seen that whenever he's gotten his opportunity in the last few years. And so uh, being able to learn from him, I, you know, I got to be around Chase Daniel for a year. And, um, you know, it's guys like that who have been a backup for a long time who um, have been really successful. And that's, uh, you know, part of my goal is to emulate. David Blau, our guest here on the Red Sea Report. Two starts last season. We'll see what things look like this season. A lot of unknown as far as when Kyler Murray comes back. But you mentioned that you've got a couple of questions for Drew. This Hold is on. now. This is your opportunity <laughs> here, David. We've got to anyway, talk to Omo. This we, is we, not we, usually flipping the we script. We talk about opportunities. That's what JG preaches. Everyone's given an opportunity. So now's your opportunity here. So we, we had a, a little system in our room of of how you kept track of things that you know you weren't doing too well right and we had a you know if your phone went off in the meeting 
there was a you know you'd get you know a little ding on your on the your, fine board on the fine board yeah didn't know if we could say that in today's NFL, but I think we can. Yeah, I mean, there, look, there's you know, there's a standard, there's, and if you're if you're late to meetings, which I wasn't, I was not three minutes late to any meeting. If you mess up, if you throw an interception, it's just uh yeah, first incompletion of practice. It, you know, if you break one of the bylaws, if your joke of the day is not funny, Drew made me tell every day. <laughs> if your presentation isn't good, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, there's a lot of things. But Drew, <laughs> it kind of it hit me a few months into my time in Detroit. I was like, if your phone went off, it was a big deal. Like three days in a row, my phone went off, and I never got to ask him, "Were you turning my alarm on <laughs> on my phone?" No, no, I wasn't. Whenever I you that had would a have been smart. The fact that you that dawned on you three months later lets you know the effect I had on you, and that I'm I'm proud to say that. No, I, I do you know where my phone was that whole time? Probably in the locker room. Exactly. <laughs> so the fact that it went off continually was the case, but. You are also a new father, so you have the right to have your phone on you. You've earned the right now after being able to be these places and solidify yourself. And like I said, you've taken it all in stride. All right, next question. What else you got for me? <laughs> well, now I have to do that to Clayton <laughs> at least once or twice. You, you know, should. Our, yeah. Our, our Just you want to see panic room. on somebody's face. It was like, you know, the team meeting room. Some Somebody would have their phone in there inevitably and it would go off and everybody starts coughing. It's... <laughs> just trying to cover up for him. So the fact that it was in our quarterback room and everybody just looks up and there's only three other people staring at you, yeah. I'm impressed. You have held that for four long years. Yeah, yeah we, we text every few months, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, man, I could have asked him, but I was I really wanted to ask him that in person. Maybe yeah. it was Baker, Garrett, you know, somebody. It could have been, been Ryan you know, even. you never know. Yeah, but or it's just bad luck. I don't know. I do like the fact that I've got to follow up with you maybe at the end of camp to see if that – was no, that you followed through as far as trying to get Clayton. Too. Yeah, it's uh, happen. I like that. Um, let's get back to the now and learning this new system. As you mentioned, you've been on a number of different teams, but even returning to the Cardinals, last year's offense versus this year's offense. How different? What is it like? And how difficult has it been to learn? Yeah, I, uh, I would say in my experience uh, in the last few years in the NFL, this offense is, is kind of what I've grown used to learning and, and the way the plays are called and the shifts and the motions and the protections and how all of that's detailed. You know, it's it's more familiar to me than what we ran last season. And so um, I'm excited for the offense to get to experience this, um, this kind of change of pace that Coach Petzing has. And, and he's got a great feel for – you know, as somebody who's never called plays, he, you can tell he, he gets it. He understands exactly um, how to stress defenses, how to how to get personnel matchups that we want to get. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, we're going to try to exploit as best we can and, and get the best players on our team in the best matchups possible. And, um, you know, they've done a great job just kind of prepping that going forward early here in training camp. You talk about these matchups, right, and, and you have a preseason game coming up, and, and that was one thing that I always try to do is hone in on a guy or two that I knew was going to be my go-to guy, right? Like you want to go out there in preseason with the mindset of I want to have a clean operation, I want to go out there complete balls, and I want to throw a touchdown pass. 
again, divulging probably more than I should, I would pay guys, I'd uh, say, hey, anybody catches a touchdown pass for me in a preseason game, $100. Because as soon as I threw one with BA, I was out of the game. I had my <laughs> tennis shoes on and I was loving it. But is there a guy that you're really looking forward to playing out there that you, you're saying, hey, you know what, you, ha- you feel like you've got good chemistry with or, or anybody like that that we can look forward to? Because I've got to call the game next week and I want to make sure that I, I make you look as good as possible. Well, I appreciate that. And I know... Um you know, you never know kind of in our situation when you're going to be rolling through the game and at uh, what point. But um, I've really enjoyed one of our USFL, XFL guys, Davion Davis, has come in and made plays. And I'm excited to throw to him. He's somebody who, you know, he's where he's supposed to be when you call the plays. He's explosive when he has the ball in his hands. And, you know, he might be able to run by some guys. So I'm looking forward to, you know, um, if I'm out there with him, taking a shot to him and, and seeing if we can get that rolling. Big guy, right? At least what I've seen is he's seen a lot of action on special teams as far as in the return game as well. And they say more the more you can do, especially for that sixth wide receiver or seventh wide receiver, however many of this team keeps, you want someone who can be able to do multiple things. And he has stood out to me. So you're always already trying to get that rapport right. with someone, as Drew mentioned, that you can target and say, all right, make me look good. I trust you. How difficult is that to get that with someone who – he just showed up. I mean, he yeah. hasn't been around very long. Yeah, I think uh, naturally, you know, I'll share a short story just because it's relevant. And when I was at Purdue, our first year, Rondell Moore shows up on campus and the ball just found him in seven-on-seven practices. It's been the same way with Davion, um, you know, when we're working with the groups. And normally that happens when guys are doing things right and, can you know, can flash a little bit. So that that was cool for um, you know, at least to see Davion and how much it means to some of these guys who are getting these opportunities from coming from these other leagues and, and to be able to, you know, get their chance, get another chance at the NFL and, you know, being able to help them and, and try to put them in position to succeed. And then me too, like Drew said, we, you know, we all want to throw a touchdown pass and um, either in the game or get out of the game, whatever it may be. <laughs> we had a chance to hear from Petsing earlier in the week and he brought up footwork and how important the footwork is for quarterbacks. And Colt McCoy earlier, I think it was in the offseason with Dave Pash on the Pash podcast, mentioned that he now has to have his left foot forward as opposed to his right foot when he was in the shotgun. Is that something that you've experienced as well, or just how much is footwork as far as the details of that position now all of a sudden being coached up and taught? Yeah, I think um, back when I was trying to hang with Drew, it was all right foot forward. Um, and then going into the, the 2020 season, Matthew switched to left foot. So we were kind of all required to, to follow suit and switch to the left foot. So I've been doing it a little bit. So it may have came a little bit more naturally. But then again, it's, it's uh, you know, new coaches with the new system teaching their scheme and, and how they want things done. And, and it's because it matters. It matters to be on time with your receivers. And, um, you know, when zones are opening and closing and defenses, you need to be ready to throw it. And um, they all time up. So... If we can have the right feet, you know, it puts us in a good position to, to have success and, and make the throws we need to make. Working with you enough on postgame shows, that's something that you've always pointed to, Drew, is depending on where the ball is supposed to go or the end result, you always say, well, go back and look at their feet, where they set, where they off balance. And that's something that to the fan or even myself, you're not looking at the feet. You're looking at the end result and figure out, okay, what's it completed or not? And then 
whose fault was it? Or, hey, congratulations, you completed a pass. Yeah, I mean, the feet tell the story for everything. It all starts with that foundation and the base to be able to throw. And, and you look at these guys, and to David's point, right, we were right foot up because we were throwing different type of concepts, right? The quick game stuff, this more West Coast-style offense and switching your feet. It's the same timing and premise of what you're trying to throw the ball. It's just coming out a little bit faster because you don't have to load that step. You don't have to gain that depth. You've already bought in it, so it's just a little bit of a hop and release as opposed to a drop step or a punch step or whatever the, the phrase you want to coin for it. Uh, it's still the same type of premise of how you're trying to do it. I remember Carson flipped his feet here, and he was all out of whack. He's like, this doesn't feel right. And you can get caught and get in trouble and put yourself in jail because all of a sudden you're hitching when you shouldn't hitch or you're throwing off the anchor when you should. It takes time. It takes repetition. And so the fact that David has familiarity with it is huge because it does start to mess with you and you miss a little bit lower, you miss a little high. Everything starts with your feet and the ground contact and being able to put that force into the ground to create so you can rotate and put the ball where you need to. Well, That's let's great. hope, David, you do put the ball where it needs to go and the coming games as far as preseason play is concerned. Really appreciate you stopping by. I know that it's a busy time in the middle of training camp, plus brand-new father. Congratulations Thank on you. that, a one-month-old. But uh, best of luck. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for having me on. And I don't believe you about my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's still in the back of your mind, you don't know. And you know what? I might have. <laughs> well, let David have the last word on that one, Drew. It is the Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. We'll come back the second half of the show straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First and goal, Toon looking for his fifth touchdown pass. Does he have it? Does he have it? You bet he does. The Cougars get another one from their star quarterback, Clayton Toon. Blitz comes. He's flushed and looking and scrambling and leaping and he's in. Wow! Clayton Toon up, up and away. 119 career touchdowns over 44 career starts in Houston. Clayton Toon, the Cardinals' fifth-round draft pick on the Cardinals' now quarterback room. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals' Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Greg Riolu, Drew Stanton, and we welcome back Paul Calvisi here for the second half of the show. But before we get into the rookie quarterback, the conversation with David Blau, one, appreciate him coming up and spending some time with us here. And now I guess we can fully open the door, Drew, in full disclosure, and maybe there was some truth to what David was talking about. Yeah. Well, it's okay. not 9.03 that I'm opening the door this time, though. It's uh, <laughs> actually on time. And, yes, I did do that to David Blau, but it wasn't just me, as he said. It was a group effort. So David used to go to the bathroom. And when he would go to the bathroom, set a timer for one minute, Siri. <laughs> and all of a sudden David would get back and that phone would go off like I said my cell phone was in my locker I'm just trying to help teach these young men that are coming up the right way and the right approach to doing it to make sure that your focus can remain where it needs to be and not on your cell phone so sorry David the truth is out there now you waited four long years <laughs> to get it uh, and I would not have changed a thing Thing is, I finally have one thing in common with an NFL quarterback. Neither David Blau nor myself believe Drew's initial denial either. So, <laughs> so we have that in common. 
All right, so now we've got David Blau perhaps maybe turning the tables on young Clayton Toon in that quarterback room for the Arizona Cardinals. And, again, one week from Friday, first preseason game. Paul, you've been on the bandwagon because you love preseason controversy, if you will. Fan, Fan of the, the Flames. flames. Yep. Here so we let's go. do it. Clayton Toon and uh, what you've seen so far and perhaps what you uh, anticipate when he makes that first appearance okay first off i gotta apologize i had him profiled as strictly a spread quarterback who'd never huddled in his five years at houston he said yesterday asking the question directly no not true that last year his senior year at houston they huddled in his estimation about 60 percent of the time so i guess it hasn't been quite as steep a learning curve with some of the mechanics of playing in this system under drew petzing as i thought so okay but once again i'm applying the same rationale that you would apply to uh, you know, the right tackle spot, Paris Johnson Jr. versus a Kelvin Beecham, uh, Keytrell Clark against an Antonio Hamilton. If the race is close, what does playing a veteran in the final year of his deal do for this team long term? So with that in mind, I think Clayton Toon is going to be given every single opportunity. And look, we've been tracking a lot of the snaps. They've been very equal. They've been very equitable. And then to see him on the first day of padded practice run with the ones quite a bit, you just wonder what the decision makers are thinking. Maybe it's because Cole McCoy is a known, and Clayton Toon obviously is a complete unknown. They're trying to find out. But it does make you wonder long term when we get to the end of the preseason, okay, what could possibly be the rotation at quarterback by the time you're done with this process? Drew, I want to hear your thoughts, but first let's hear from general manager Monty Austin Ford on his fifth-round quarterback, Clayton Toon. Clayton's come in, and uh, he's approached it like a pro. You know, he's, he's put in extra time with our coaches, with our players. It's the toughest position to play in, in professional football and really probably the toughest position to play in professional sports. There's a lot that goes into that. Clayton's jumped in, as have all our rookies, all our quarterbacks. Like, they're putting in time that, that is required of that position, and uh, it's fun to see him grow. Now, again, long way to go, just like everybody else, but, you know, I think the early starts have been promising on what we've seen from Clayton. His 44 career starts in college says a lot because everyone is looking for that experience in college, and sometimes you just don't find that in the NFL, especially in a first-round or second-round talent. Everyone wants the next Brock Purdy, fifth-round selection versus seventh-round selection, and it is very early, but when you're a young quarterback, Drew, trying to supplant the starter, in this case it is Colt McCoy until Kyler Murray comes back, that's a difficult ask. It is, uh, just because of what is being asked of you coming in from a starting point, right? Colt's been in numerous offenses, one similar to this. He's played last year at this level. The biggest differentiating features when you look at these young guys that have come in, they can maybe be fine the first week of camp, the install, right? When the volume starts adding up, and I don't know where the volume is at right now with Drew Petzing in this system, but when the volume starts to heavily increase, can you be able to sustain that? Can you stay afloat and be able to be responsible and be in complete control when you get out there? Because that's what playing this position is about. It's about making the 10 other guys around you better and them having the confidence that they can come to you with anything. And so over time, that will come for Clayton Thune. He has done a tremendous job by all accounts. But to Paul's point, he is their draft pick. David Blau, Jeff Driscoll, they were brought in for different various roles. 
GMs, front office people, they want to see their their draft picks come to fruition. And so he's going to get these opportunities. He's played a ton, a ton of football, which is there is no substitute for experience. So the fact that he has that, that's great. He's getting reps with the ones, which is a whole different level. As each time you climb up that depth chart, the speed of the game increases that much more. The margin of error increases that much more. Your recall on what is being asked of you at the line of scrimmage increases that much more. So what is he going to be able to do as more gets put on his plate? That remains to be seen. But the fact that he's handled this much this far is very encouraging. And again, you're building for the future. You're looking at a guy where you can get extreme value in the fifth round and say, okay, maybe he's our third this year. Because when Kyler comes back, you'll have Colt, and he can learn from Colt and then eventually take over and progress. Or if all things in the stars align, he can be your starter. So uh, there's no written rule on how you become a starter in this league or how you become a backup in this league or how you have sustainable success in this league, especially at that position. You just better make sure when your number is called, you're ready to go. Look, are they going to take a long look at at Clayton Toon? Yes. But are the odds long? (laughs) Absolutely. He could have a perfect passer rating in three preseason games, and he's still not prepared for a regular season game and what Ron Rivera is going to dial up at Washington. He's not going to be prepared for Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and Chase Young. Nothing in this preseason would get him ready for that week one game. So I'm not minimizing the importance of the experience of a Colt McCoy. I'm just saying to Drew's point that it's their draft pick they're going to give him every opportunity to impress and navigate that learning curve and his first opportunity can comes a week from Friday the first preseason game the Cardinals host the Broncos here at State Farm Stadium want tickets preseason regular season single game tickets on sale now go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals radio network how challenging is it to shape your offense with Colt knowing that Kyler is so different? Yeah, I think a little bit of it was aided by we kind of went through a similar process last year in Cleveland with Jacoby and Deshaun, uh, where you kind of knew the guy was coming back, but he wasn't going to be able to start, so you had to tailor it to somebody else. And they were both new. They'd never been in the system. They'd never used the footwork. And then I think another component of it is at the end of the day, the biggest part of what we did was a language. Generally speaking, a playbook, 99% of playbooks in the NFL are big enough to adapt to who they have. But getting everybody on the same page, getting the language. And Colt, no, like, hey, at the end of the day, this offense is going to be built around Kyler's strengths. But we're certainly going to be able to go play and tailor it to what you do and best and what you like. First-year offensive coordinator Drew Petzing talking with the voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave Pash, on the Dave Pash Podcast. A great interview. It is episode 60 of the Pash Pod. Go to your preferred podcast provider to find that and also get the latest on the Dave Pash Podcast. Catch him out on Twitter, at Pash Pod. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And it is an unknown what this offense will look like. We've kind of got a little bit of a semblance Some idea through the first seven practices. Number eight is coming up this afternoon. But you hear that soundbite from Drew, and it's basically learning a brand-new system for not only the guys that are returning in that quarterback room, a Colt McCoy, a David Blau, a Kyler Murray, but even for someone like Clayton Toon. They're all basically on the same page. Yeah, well, it's like learning a foreign language and then being able to be fluent in it. I've talked about that before. You've got to be able to digest all these things and stay up with the daily install. And as Drew said, 99% of 
offenses in the NFL can adapt to the quarterback that's being out there because you have to, right? Like you look at what happened when they signed Colt McCoy initially with Cliff Kingsbury. And you're like, he doesn't fit this system. Why? <laughs> he can't run as well. And whatever that looks like, they adapted it to him. You go out and you go to L.A. and you throw the ball however many times they did to start that game. Good offensive play callers adapt to the personnel that's around them, and they accentuate what they do well and highlight what they do well. But then you can also deviate, right? It's always a constant work in progress. You never really know what you're going to be good at each and every year until you go into training camp and you get those live reps and you hammer everything and you say, okay, we're going to be good at this. Or sometimes it's dictated on how you're trying to attack a defense. The best offenses are multiple. They can say, hey, we can run the ball 30 times a game. We can throw the ball 30 times a game. We can balance it out with whatever we need to do, not only the strength of the quarterback, but the strength of how you want to operate and the identity of what you're looking for as an entire organization of how you want to proceed because there's many ways that you can win football games in this league. Limiting turnovers and being able to run the football and stop the run, those are the three most important things. If you go back to when the Cardinals started 7-0, and 10-2, two seasons ago they were a top 10 rushing team during that time and there were three games where they ran for over 200 yards so if you have Kyler Murray the run game you give him the play action I think we're all real curious to see what this looks like because remember when he was drafted he was a passing quarterback who could run not a running quarterback who could pass otherwise he wouldn't have gone number one overall because there are plenty of athletes playing the position but he was known for having that extra touch throwing the ball what was absent last year the downfield passing game. Cardinals were dead last in every single metric and when it came to downfield passing 10 yards or more. Why can they restore that? Because honestly, if he comes back healthy, I still think he's the best quarterback in the division. I really do. And part of that conversation Drew Petzing had with Dave Pash was Drew saying that Kyler has bought in. He's willing to embrace and learn what is being asked of him. Now we just need to see it on the football field. And when that is, who knows? We do know the Cardinals with a handful of practices left here at State Farm Stadium, including Saturday, the red and white practice. Go to azcardinals.com for more information. And, then, of course, the first preseason game one week from Friday. Special thanks, everyone, behind the scenes. Jim Almohundro, Cody Fincher, Lauren Koval, Drew Stanton, Paul Calvisi. I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.